Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Great Obsession Podcast. Or as Sam just suggested, we call this podcast the podcast. I hope that didn't just blow out the mic to whoever's. It's just a solid shh in somebody's ear. What a nightmare. What a nightmare. We were just, um, I don't know how we got there, but in the discussion we had before this, we were talking about how fangirls are always like on the internet. And we should have just called the podcast that. We are like in all times. We are fangirls on the internet. Also, like Loki, that would be an appropriate name for another reason, because that was always my name in Among Us. When, when I used to play Among Us. <laughs> did you ever have an Among Us era? No, 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 oh no, my I God. did not. I, um, as far as, like, any kind of, I'm going to say video game. I don't know if people classify Among Us as a video game. But, like, never been into any of it. Never done any of the Mario Kart, Mario stuff, Pokemon Go, Among That's Us. That's so true. You were just never. not a gamer girl. I just, yeah, I don't know what it is. Um, I got nothing against it. It's just never allured me. I will say back in like the seventh grade or something like that, I was absolutely grinding on Pop Tropica. Oh my God. Pop Tropica was such a sleigh. I miss that game. I know. Glory days. I completed one island and then I was like, I'm a god. And I never played again. (laughs) Wow, I completed more islands than that, so I suppose okay. <laughs> that's where my gamer origin was, and that's where you're, you dropped off. You're like, that's where it again. ended for me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're talking about Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid, and this is a genre pivot for us. Yeah, so, most, definitely, most definitely. Do you have any thoughts on like why we're doing a genre pivot? Um, I think, I think that maybe it was like time. It felt like a Mm -hmm. very natural pivot. We've been really grinding on YA fantasy, um, specifically like a lot of series and some Mm -hmm. world building, though I would say they're kind of light in the world building department. Maybe not the, that's a different conversation for another day, but, um, (laughs) I think, yeah, we've just been really into magic and fantasy and escapism. And I think that we both were like, "Mm, I kind of want to read, first of all, a one-off book, a Mm non-series. And then also something that just, sometimes you need to cleanse the palate, you know? You do. Just you like do. wipe it away, get some fresh perspectives, remember what it's like to read about people who are living in the same world as you, even if it's still mm-hmm. fiction. Um, so yeah, I felt like it was a very appropriately timed pivot for us. Yeah, I agree. I love that it like happened for both of us at the same time where we were both kind of like, yeah, like we're not really feeling like a big fantasy series mm-hmm. for our next read. Um, and I, I also feel like since kind of what the last year has been for us has been like catching up on everything that was popular in the Mm -hmm. years that we were too busy to read um 
there's been a lot of like really hyped stuff that we've had to catch up on. And I feel like while this is a genre pivot, this is like Taylor Jenkins Reid is very much in pop culture, in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Daisy Jones and the Six is coming out on Amazon Prime as we're recording this. So it's it felt good to be more in the know of like what's going on and and what's popular in other genres. So um this is a spoiler full episode for Daisy Jones and the Six, just the book, not the show. We're not going to discuss the show in this episode, but we will in another one. And so if you have not read the book, I would not recommend listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, we might have some stronger language on this episode. So if you have sensitive ears, this is maybe not the podcast for you or go away from the sensitive ears either one do not care uh also riley what are you what are you drinking today because it's looking good oh my god it's this stuff that jacob got me at heb uh the girlies the texas girlies know heb okay. you, so you yeah, remember going know. to heb at your bachelorette party Oh my gosh, is that what we went to? Wow. Yeah. No, I I didn't remember. I assumed that was like a Fred Meyer or something. It it kind of is like that. It's like the Texas grocery store and they have like their own brand of things and and, and it's just like a whole thing. It's really big. People say it's because Texas is big, but having lived in multiple states, it's actually just that every state has a big grocery store, like Safeway, (laughs) Fred Meyer, whatever else. Um, yeah, it's this soda that was, I think it was like passion fruit and strawberry Italian soda is what it was labeled as. And Jacob just got it for me while he was grocery shopping. He was like, I thought you'd like to drink this while you watch The Bachelor. I was like, my God, so true. So I'm drinking out of a wine glass. I know. There's just something like that makes me feel sophisticated. And I also feel like I drink stuff slower if it's in a wine glass because it like Mm. makes you want to sip, you know? So, yeah, that's what I'm sipping on tonight. What are you drinking tonight? Um, I It's chilly here. It's hot in Texas, but it's cold in yeah. Washington. So I'm having a hazelnut hot chocolate. I'm on a real hazelnut Ooh. kick right now. You've been drinking oh hazelnut goodness. lattes in the morning? Yeah. Um, that's been my hazelnut and Irish cream are my favorite flavors Ooh. across the board. But Irish cream doesn't go as good in a hot chocolate. That's kind of more of a latte only. Yeah. But the hazelnut. Perfecto. Chef's kiss. Hazelnut is really good stuff. And it does go together with chocolate really well. So I'm jealous. Although I think I'd overheat if I drank hot chocolate because it's hot in here. (laughs) I know. you. I was like, dang, she got that t-shirt on. She got them shorts. I'm wearing 60 layers under the sweatshirt. You have no idea. (laughs) wow what a difference several thousand miles makes i actually don't know how many miles apart we are thousands hundreds don't i feel like if i had to guess i'm guessing two thousand i have no idea to be clear but someone google it and scream into your your phone we won't somebody yeah somebody out here is like they're so stupid (laughs) So this is going to be an interesting episode because this might be the first time Sam and I disagree. I feel like up to this point, we've agreed on a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why don't you tell me 
I would like you to go first on what's your initial rating of Daisy Jones and the Six. Okay. My initial rating. Shit. I should have thought about this. So I rated it five stars on Goodreads, but that does not equate to a 10 out of 10. I would say um, I'm going to give it a seven and a half out of 10. And you know, right after I read this, I probably like immediately after, if you had asked me, I would have told you like nine and a half out of 10 because I read this while I was on a trip to Florida two weeks ago. And this book, like being read on the beach out in the sun was just like such a vibe. I was feeling it. I was on vacation. I was immersing myself in a whole new like story, something different from all the fantasy we've been reading. And I honestly loved, loved reading this. I think for me, I know a lot of people feel differently. For me, I loved the documentary style of writing because I felt like it put this like sheen of nostalgia over everything. Like there was a lot of talk of like, man, those were good days. We were doing this and this and this and that, man, those were just such good days. And nostalgia is such an interesting feeling to me that I love to talk about and think about because it's it's not happy, but it's also not sad. It's like this weird mix of both. And I feel like we really got that in this book. So I loved like the nostalgic vibes that it had because of the way it was told all in past tense from the perspective of characters looking back on their lives. And I feel like that made me get really lost in the story because I also knew that the story is about a band's, uh, a band's rise and fall. So I knew that the band was going to break up. And I was just like kind of feverishly reading, wanting to know what was going to lead to the breakup. And I also love music. So I loved all the conversations about writing the songs and what that felt like to the characters. So... For all those reasons, I feel like it gets a really good rating for me. And the only thing that brings it down is just that there really was not very much character development in this story. And I kind of don't care because I liked everything else. But it does bring the, my rating down a bit. Because, you know, I do love some character development. And that's what are. I have to say about that. So, wait, <laughs> what was your rating? 7.5. 7. <laughs> 7. 7.5. Okay, okay. Um... Yeah, I I did not enjoy this book as much as you did. I'm not I didn't dislike it. I wasn't like some well, okay, let me just try and figure out. So for my rating, I think I would probably go a 5.5. Like I felt like this was very solidly middle of the road for me. Um, I, you know how sometimes you read a book or even like watch a movie, something like that. And you are like, well, that wasn't bad. I can recognize the artistry there. I can recognize what other people see in it and why they really enjoy it. And I think that there are good, like I can objectively see good stuff in it, but at the end of the day, like, it's just not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really what I felt about this book. I personally did not like the writing style. I really 
respected Taylor Jenkins read for the writing style. And I thought that it was Mm -hmm. very creative. It's certainly very different. Um, And I can appreciate that from, you know, just like a literary point of view. But as a reader, it took me like way out of the story like to the oh, point really? where I was, yeah, I would, I mean, I felt like I was reading a nonfiction book and, but I, it was like, it was like a nonfiction book without any of the stakes, you know, like if you read an autobiography, you're like, oh shit, this actually happened to this person, right? Mm-hmm. Versus I was reading a biography where I knew none of this actually happened and was therefore like meaningless to some extent. Interesting. Um, I, yeah, I just had a really difficult time getting into this book. It's not very long. It's one of the shortest books, um, I've read in a while and it took me days. Like, I can't believe I read 700 pages in (laughs) Chain of Thorns in like 48 hours, but it took me like a week to read like 300 pages. Um, And granted, the circumstances were different, but it it just was certainly slower paced for me. I did not feel feverish at all. I think the fact that I knew that they broke up in the end also contributed to that. Because I was like, what's the point? I know it's all falling apart. And then I was underwhelmed by the fall apart. I thought that I was like, well, this was (laughs) it like really went out with a fizzle and not a bang. Yeah, Um, that's valid. But, yeah, I thought that there were some really great lines in this book, some really good lyrics. I would agree. I enjoyed – I always enjoy a Um, Mm multi-POV. And so I I liked when there were moments where the characters were talking about the same thing but saying different things Mm -hmm. um, and, like, drawing different conclusions about what they were experiencing. I thought that was really entertaining. Uh, I could not keep any of these characters straight. I was like, I, I do not know. I was like, okay, I have all of the girls down, mm-hmm. but the, all the other boys, except for Billy, I was like, who are you? Interchangeable. No idea who's who. By the end I did, but I certainly in the beginning did not feel like they had distinct voices. Any of the characters. I thought the characters were all very similarly voiced. And I think I've read so many multi-POVs that I know, like, what it sounds like in my internal voice in my head when I'm reading. Mm -hmm. And I recognize, like, oh, the POV has changed because, like, the writing style has changed. And so then my, like, internal voice the voice changes. Does that make sense? Yeah, to you? yeah, yeah. And in and in this, this was in Sam's voice the entire time. There was never a Daisy voice or a Billy voice. It was just me. Um, Interesting. So I think that made it a little bit hard for me. I, yeah, I enjoyed like the music elements. My favorite part was definitely when they were creating Aurora. When they were like workshopping all of the lyrics and like writing mm-hmm. and recording that part I really enjoyed everything before that and everything after that was pretty pretty mid for me okay valid I think it's interesting that you say that 
like you read this and you were like, I can see why other people like this, but it's not for me. Because I had this like the opposite experience. I was like, I could see how other people might not love this, mm-hmm. but I am the target audience. <laughs> it, like she it's hit very true. The exact demographic. It yeah. It just it felt like like it was written for me. So I loved it. And I was so when I finished, I was like, I can recognize that there are some flaws here, but I I don't care because I loved reading this. So uh, it's just so interesting to me that like the the documentary style for you took you out of the story and made you feel like there were no stakes. And I read some Goodreads reviews that said the same thing, but I just felt so differently about it. Like for me, it felt like I w- like it just made everything sound so nostalgic. And it reminded me of the way that I tell stories about nostalgic times in my life and And it just, I don't know, it just made me feel a lot of things. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I have read other books in a sort of similar style, if you will, where it's somebody telling their story to someone else. Um and really enjoyed it um but I've never read one where it was multiple people telling their story to someone else and Mm -hmm. so I do wonder if maybe that was a little bit where things got lost for me I do think that there's just a like you said there's a total lack of character depth and development Mm -hmm. in this book which as we've previously discussed, I tend to be a very character-driven reader. And that's, the characters are what I'm here for. They're my favorite part. I don't care if your plot is shit. If your characters are incredible and have great chemistry, I'm I'm about it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for me, these characters just never got depth. They never felt relatable to me. I mean- not that every character has to feel relatable. They just have to feel, I guess, tangible. Mm-hmm. And these characters did not. They felt like characters the whole time for me. Mm, um, okay. Interesting. And so I think that that maybe that was more the disconnect than the writing style. Because I have read that writing style and it was and I enjoyed it and it worked for me. So I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't I don't know, like we probably can't pinpoint it exactly, but I will say like I agree with you that the characters were pretty one-dimensional and that they mostly didn't have distinct voices. It took me forever to distinguish Warren from Pete from Eddie and Graham. Like all of those boys, I was like, who? Well, and then I was like Teddy, Rod, oh yeah, Art Artie, uh, like all of those people, I was like, who? I mean, Teddy didn't obviously ever have a POV and Pete really never had a POV. But mm-hmm. even when I was like reading about them, it was hard for me to keep them straight. And then like, for instance, when Teddy dies, I'm curious, did that have, was that emotionally impactful for you? No. I was oh. like, oh, that's sad. Okay, nice. That, that yeah, I wondered if it did because it had <laughs> zero zero impact for me. 
I wasn't even, yeah. I was like, oh, who is he? I forget. Teddy really didn't, like, seem impactful to me. Like, I, I understood his role as, like, the the record father label figure. person and father figure. But, yeah, no, that didn't. The The part that was emotionally impactful for me was anything involving Daisy and Billy. Because I did feel like, to me, they had chemistry. And they were the mm-hmm. most interesting when they were together in the story. So in the times before Daisy and Billy, like before Daisy joins the band, pretty much, I agree that the story wasn't quite as interesting. I still mm-hmm. enjoyed like learning about the the writing of their the Six's first album, uh, the one with Honeycomb on it, mm-hmm. and so I thought that was fun. But the Daisy stuff before that was kind of a little annoying to me because it was all about how she was. She had such a star quality. She was so beautiful, so stunning. What a perfect voice. Like, everything about her was so perfect. The magazines were sending her free clothes. I was like, for what? Like, what is? what are they sending her? Like, is she... Like, influencers didn't exist. So, like, why are, why are they sending her free stuff? So, I was confused there. But then once she shows up and starts talking to Billy, then I was like, oh, okay. I'm interested. I don't know. Did you feel like they had chemistry? Yes, I did. I will say I felt like they had more chemistry than Billy and uh, Camilla did. Yes, I agree. Um, which I which I appreciated because that I think that's the whole big sort of undercurrent of this story is it's not necessarily who you have the biggest spark with; it's who you're choosing to love, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I I did appreciate that i'll be honest i felt like the characters with the most chemistry were graham and karen agreed i um they they were my favorite yeah karen was my favorite character by far um she was every time she like gave her perspective on something i was like that that's the truth that's what really happened all these other people are giving their own like skewed things but i was like karen karen's real yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I well Graham to me was like so uninteresting and I had no idea who he was besides him being Billy's brother until like him and Karen got involved mm-hmm. and then I was like, "Oh, okay. I'm liking this now." And also this is so random, but I I loved whichever character it was. I think maybe it was Warren who when he was talking about the time <laughs> that Billy and or sorry, not Billy, Karen and Graham were were fucking around and Warren was like and I looked around, and you know who was missing from his seat? Bones. The lighting man. The lighting guy. <laughs> yeah. And he was so certain. It was like he was seeing all of these things to, like, confirm his suspicion. I really, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I feel like the, was so that funny. was the fun part of the storytelling for me was, like, you said this earlier, like, some characters would have different things to say about the same thing like at one point i think camilla says like i got married in a white tank top and jeans and one of the guys is like she was wearing a white dress and it's like yeah no billy says the wrong thing he can't he doesn't remember what she was wearing oh that's an interesting tidbit knowing Mm -hmm. you know the the amount of chemistry that he does not have with her and has with someone else i did like camilla as a character though i thought yeah she was really interesting in her, like, her mindset was was unique. This, like, you can fuck around all you want, but, like, I'm going to stand up for our family and I'm not going to give up mm-hmm. on it. Uh, I thought that made her a really interesting character. Yeah. And I, and I actually have to give um, 
more props to Taylor Jenkins Reid because I think that type of character could have gotten really annoying and really frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I could have been like, oh, Camilla, shut up. I want Billy and Daisy together. But I never felt mm-hmm. like that. I always – I was still, like, rooting for her. Even if I wasn't always rooting for her and Billy, I was always rooting for Camilla and, like, her kid, like, her family. I didn't include Billy necessarily in that mentally. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that's why this was emotionally impactful to me was because because I had these conflicting feelings the whole time where it was like Billy and Daisy had so much chemistry and Daisy like clearly had this hope that it, it would somehow work out with Billy. And so like you're rooting for them because or I was rooting for them because I, you know, I want Daisy to feel love for the first time in her life. And also her and Billy just, like, had so much chemistry together. But then at the same time, I'm also rooting for Camilla because mm-hmm. she's just, like, so... Like, she it was she was just so admirable, her, her mindset and the way she stuck by things. I just felt like she was really likable, even mm-hmm. if her and Billy together weren't as likable. Billy was kind of a menace in this story. <laughs> yeah, I did not particularly like him... And and I don't know that the point was for me to like him, so yeah. I don't I don't put like a ton of stock in that. But I will say I didn't like I if his POV was really long, I was skimming. I was not. I was oh, like, I don't care what you have to say. I felt <laughs> like he said a lot of the same things over and over. Like I, I didn't feel like I was getting a ton of new content from billy whenever it was his pov Mm -hmm. um at least as far as depth goes um i didn't feel like i was getting anything new and so i just wasn't interested versus the other characters were i think more unpredictable in what they were saying like it was harder for me to and anticipate exactly what it was going to be I mean nobody had maybe Daisy did but for the most part everybody else's POVs were very short you know it was like a Mm one-off line or like a tiny paragraph and they were usually more likely to be funny or cutting like it seemed like those characters had much more interesting lines to me versus Mm -hmm. Billy. I was like, here he goes monologuing again. I do not care. And that's so true. (laughs) He had a lot to say. He had a lot to say, which is, I, which I do find entertaining because as a character, we know that he has a lot to say and is not always self-aware enough to recognize that he sometimes needs to shut up and mm-hmm. like just take a back seat. And so I th- I did think it was kind of interesting that me as the reader reading this book, I was like, Billy, shut up. Like give someone else a chance to talk in this story. All you do is just blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of – that's kind of like a cool element that I feel like Taylor Jenkins Reid worked in. Did that make it enjoyable for me to read? I mean, no. Did that make – any scene where he was like playing a pivotal role more interesting to me? No. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the songs and like the songwriting kind of process part of the mm-hmm. book. 
because I feel like that's where we saw the most interesting interactions between the characters. Yeah. And then that'll lead us to the end of the story, which we can then talk about the end. But I really loved the writing of Honeycomb. Mm-hmm. And then it eventually becomes the writing of Aurora. I just really, I think this is a reason I'm such a big Taylor Swift fan is because I think songwriting and mus- the creation of music is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Swift has always kind of given us like a an in to like her songwriting process, which I love. And I felt like this book, that's why I felt like it was directed exactly at me. Like it was all about like <laughs> creating art and songwriting and putting your feelings into words and and fighting with another artist or like conflict between artists. And I just, mm-hmm. I loved all of those elements. So, but I want to know since like, you said that was really the only part of the book you enjoyed. What did you enjoy about it the most? Yeah, I, well, so first of all, you obviously have like a pretty prominent musical background. Riley Mm -hmm. can play 40,000 instruments. Um, (laughs) I can't play any. I don't have any kind of like musical inclination whatsoever. I can't clap on rhythm. Um, But I do love listening to music so I think that there were some elements of this process that were lost on me just because I I was like that's a musical term I don't know and Mm, you know I'm like what's a riff (laughs) oh (laughs) you know I was like I don't know um and so I do think that some of that I mean there wasn't a ton of that kind of jargon but I do think it took me out a little bit so I was like I don't know what's happening here Mm, Um, but what I did really enjoy, kind of like you were saying, this, this conflict of artists was really engaging to me, this idea that they both, you know, they were putting in so much emotional weight into what they were creating that to have somebody come in and be like, no, change it, do this was not just attacking their art but it was attacking pieces of themselves because they had emotionally projected so much onto this music I found Mm -hmm. that to be a really interesting dynamic I really enjoyed uh especially in those scenes the multi-POVs because getting what Daisy thought she was doing to Billy's music versus what Billy thought Daisy thought what Billy thought yeah, what Billy thought Daisy was doing to his music yeah, um, I, was just really interesting because they were coming – neither of them were seeing each other, mm-hmm. um, but we got to see them both. And so I found that to be really engaging, really compelling. I think the other parts of the book, they're really separate. Like even at the end of the book, like – Once the songwriting process is over, literally, Daisy and Billy are actively not interacting with each other. Like they, that's like part of that. That's part of the plot, right? And Mm -hmm. so we only get that back and forth between them and like real genuine conversation between them in that just tiny little bit where they're writing this album. And I think that was what I really enjoyed. Um, and so I I think that that portion was what I really liked. I also kind of liked 
the grind in that section because it was like they were staying up all night like mm-hmm. they were rolling into the studio at all hours they were there for days I, I liked how the pacing during that felt for me versus the other pacing in the rest of the book always felt a little bit jarring and I wasn't really sure how much time had passed Especially in the beginning. I was like, Daisy's like 15, and I have no idea how old she is when she joins the band. I have like no – I know it says the years in front of the chapters, but in case we're not aware, I like don't read chapter titles. It's a fatal flaw. (laughs) But like I was just having a little trouble feeling like I was flowing with the timeline. It felt very jarring to me I could never figure out where they were like are they on tour are they not I don't know um Mm -hmm. but I felt so grounded when they were in the writing recording process I knew where I was I knew what was happening and so I I also really appreciated that yeah I agree with all of that I feel like it gave the story like more of a direction because Mm -hmm. in in the rest of the book like Billy's life is going one direction, Daisy is kind of going in another direction, and then like once they come together and they start having these conversations and creating art together, like suddenly you're like, okay, this is the story that that I'm reading this book for, like this is what I came here for, and that's how I felt. And I remember being frustrated that as soon as they finished the album, like Daisy and Billy actively stop interacting, and I know that it was part of the plot to be like. They only interact when they sing, but I feel like I would have liked it if they interacted when they sing, but then they also interacted outside of performances and just had to pretend that Mm -hmm. they hadn't interacted when they sang. I feel like that might have been a little more interesting because I, what I most enjoyed was the way that Billy and Daisy both acknowledge that they felt seen in a way that they never, that neither of them ever had before mm-hmm. when they were riding together. Because, like, despite how different they were and how much they clashed, they had this, this shared, like, I don't know what it is, but they shared something when they were creating art together and they, they felt seen. And then that's, like, never really acknowledged again after that. Uh, mm-hmm. pro- probably until like that scene their, with their very last performance where they're singing to each other and crying. I don't think they're actually crying, but it's like a really sad scene. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wow, I don't remember the crying. No, I don't think they were crying, but it was like they were really emotional singing together at the end. And yeah, I I just, I feel like the, that would have brought my rating of the book up more if there was more of that... More interaction between them, like, during the tour section. Well, and I will say, I think that raises kind of a a point that I had thought when I finished the book. That I also, I feel like this book rated low for me because it was just too short. Mm. I mean, for the amount of POVs and the groundwork that it was trying to cover it just felt too short because I mean it's it spans like a decade yeah right it spans a decade and we're technically talking about like 10 different POVs or something like that in 300 pages it just that's a lot um and so 
I think with a little bit more length, we maybe could have gotten a little bit more character depth. We could have been more rooted in the timeline. And I think we could have seen some more character interactions that would have fleshed out those dynamics a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I I agree with that, but also like I recognize that this is a beach read. At least it was to me. And so I didn't really go into it expecting like the level of depth that I get out of out of something like the Six of Crows duology because like it's just so much shorter. And yeah, I also feel like this was written to be like in the style of a, a rock documentary and in a real I mean, I haven't watched a ton of rock documentaries, but I was just about to ask. No, but usually a documentary centers around one or two people and everyone else like the the information that they're providing is just to talk about the the two main people and yeah so i feel like i guess that makes sense to me why the other characters weren't as developed i just think maybe it would have been better if there weren't seven members of this band if there were like four because like warren eddie pete and then like teddy and rod like everyone's saying things I was always like, who is talking right now? And that made it confusing. I think it'll Mm -hmm. translate better on screen when you're seeing the face behind whoever's talking. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I, I think that you're right. It is more in line with how you would see like a genuine docu-series or documentary rather than, you know, a fully fleshed out book, uh, Mm-hmm. But I see, I didn't anticipate or I wouldn't have expected, nor did I necessarily want all of those side characters to have more depth. I wanted Daisy and Billy to have more depth. Yeah. Particularly Daisy. Let's talk yeah. about Daisy because it's so interesting to me because on the surface, she feels incredibly nuanced and layered and you know kind of unpredictable but the more I think about her character the flatter she gets for me and the more undeveloped she feels I I just was we just get like little snippets about how she's like not loved at home and but we don't it's never really fleshed out to me in a way that's meaningful it's like okay I can see action wise her parents don't care that she's not home Mm -hmm. okay but like there's so much to unpack with that and we just don't and then I think I had a lot of confusion about what her motivations were because she was like oh initially in the beginning she like she doesn't want to sing, but she has this great voice. And then she kind of gets the inspiration to write. So she starts writing a little bit, but she's not writing any completed songs. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, she's like half assing that. And then she joins the band and like, yeah, I, she just felt very, she felt very spoiled and entitled, which is how Billy perceives her. Mm hmm. But then I got all of her background character and I just – I guess I was confused. 
Was she spoiled and entitled? Was she, I mean, they talk about how naive she is, but then she's doing all this shit, like drugs and sex, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that doesn't seem terribly naive to me. She got screwed Mm -hmm. over in that record deal, but Mm -hmm. she's still classified as naive. She's been screwed over by men, but then she like naively marries this other dude. I, I don't know. I know that there was like a lot of... We were supposed to infer that she had a lot of emotional complexity happening. She had this deep-rooted desire to be loved and that like drove her and made her, you know, make all these poor choices, whether it be drugs or her marriage or constant, like she can't be alone, you know, all of this stuff. I like Mm -hmm. understand that from a surface level. I just feel like when I dig into her more, it doesn't click. I felt like for most of this book, I had trouble liking her and I didn't get her until the very end. And what I got from her was this like, this like desperation that she refuses to really admit or acknowledge that she like desperately wants to be seen and understood, like not just loved, but she wants to be seen and understood and she she never has that and i feel like the whole marriage to the the nikki guy was honestly just like a way of coping with the fact that the one person who did understand her which was billy was not available to be with her and so she was just like everything in her life was a coping mechanism and she had a lot of time and resources to allow for these coping mechanisms like like drugs and going to other countries and getting married because of how privileged and like spoiled she was. So I don't know. I found her to be interesting by the end. Once everything had happened and I was reflecting, I was like, okay, now she's interesting to me because now I see this character who's very like surface level things in life have come easy to her. Like her looks, she's always been pretty. She's always had a good voice and people have always like wanted to be around her. Supposedly she has this like infectious charisma which didn't translate on the page. So <laughs> no. that wasn't believable. But then by the end it's like all these things on the surface come easily to her. But what she really wants and what anyone really wants like to be loved and is understood is totally out of reach and She's doing every, all of her actions are reflecting the fact that she is hoping for this and knows she can't have it. And she's trying to cope. Yeah. No, I I got from her. I would agree that I felt much better about her at the end. I I think those final, uh, I don't know if you call them chapters, but those final perspectives were Mm -hmm. crucial in her character, I think also her choosing to leave and she like leaves without telling anyone. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, we we have that scene with um, Camilla. I, I felt like that was her her best moment and offered a lot of that. That's like her biggest character development. It was that moment of her choosing to walk away and mm-hmm. choosing to not really indulge and like cope. She just was actively removing herself from the situation, which I did appreciate. I think 
I think maybe it was the charisma thing. Once you said that, I was like, oh shit, maybe that was it. Was that they kept on, the girl that they kept describing was not the girl I was reading. And so there was Mm -hmm. a disconnect there where I was like, why do you all like her? I don't like her. I think she's super annoying and I Mm -hmm. don't get her deal. Um, And she felt, her motivations felt very flaky. She did not feel as like an artist in the same way that the other characters really felt like artists. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means or why I necessarily get like sense that, but I think that was part of my frustration with her. Also, this is so stupid, but the fact that she was, this makes me want to vom. She was barefoot all the time. Oh yeah. It's so, I don't know why I just imagine, you know how when you're barefoot you're walking on like a dirty floor and like stuff gets stuck to the bottom of your feet yeah i was like she's walking around on these stages barefoot i was like it's the 70s so it's gross i don't know why every time they were like and she was barefoot with her bangles i was like (laughs) that's funny i not cute (laughs) i just didn't think about that very hard but that's so true her feet would be so gross unless she was like getting regular pedicures which she probably wasn't i know i was like this this is no bueno (laughs) (laughs) that's funny i also felt though the same about billy where he was described as this character like there's a line Mm. where it's like you put mick jagger in a lineup and someone can pick out who he is without knowing because he has like the star quality billy has that and i don't feel like billy had that on the page to me no no billy was really whiny on the page yeah like he was like a baby which i think that kind of brings an interesting i'm curious what your thoughts are on julia being quote-unquote revealed to be the author i did think that was interesting because the whole time i was thinking like you know this is set 40 years after the band broke up or whatever like where's julia she's an adult now like where's her perspective like i was wanting it but i didn't think hard enough to predict that she was gonna be the like the person the interviewer did you see that coming because i did not no i didn't see it coming um but I also did not feel like it was necessary. I thought it, I had a big eye roll moment, TBH. I was like, uh, oh, geez. I think because I guess it, it kind of is like the great Gatsby question of is the narrator reliable or not? Hmm. You have all of these different POVs and you know that the individual POVs are not reliable. But I was like, am I supposed to be wondering if Julia, like being the uh, author or interviewee, whatever, like is like her role is impacting how others are telling the story back to her? I was like, am I supposed to be like contemplating that? Am I supposed to be considering if maybe julia left certain parts out or mm. like i i thought I that think it, about that well i thought it like opened a weird door that could have been really interesting 
but wasn't, you know, like it it didn't ever, because I was reflecting back on what I had read and I was like, no, this doesn't read like, like Billy's parts especially don't read like he's retelling his life to his daughter. Nobody, it seems, are retelling their stories in a way that would be sensitive to who she is within the story. And so then I was like, okay, I don't really think that applies. And then as far as cutting pieces out, there weren't any gaps that I could think of, of like, oh, maybe that, maybe she didn't include that or some, you know, things like that. And so then I just felt like having her be the author wasn't actually a device to make the story more like complex and make me wonder about things. It was just like a fun throwaway. Yeah. I think what it was, was it was a device for Camilla, like on her deathbed to tell Julia to tell Billy to reach out to Daisy. Another eye roll. I don't think Camilla would have done that. That's my hot take. You don't? That's no. interesting. I think I understand why it could fit because she's like, oh, I always knew that they were like perfect for each other. And like they mm-hmm. had that and in, in, they were the only ones who like saw each other. And like I want Billy to feel seen, blah, blah, blah. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I just think that she – honestly fought so hard for Billy and at the end was fighting so hard for Daisy to also figure her shit out Mm -hmm. that I think that she would have respected them both enough to not feel like she has to intervene on either of their behalves. You know, I don't think she would have been like mad in heaven if they reconnected after her death. I just don't think that she would have been like, Oh, I'm dying. I need to make sure that Billy reconnects with his like old flame mm-hmm. when they had such a toxic relationship. Like I just don't see her playing God like that. Okay. I see what you mean. That's interesting. I just I suppose I felt like I could see it because Camilla seemed very aware the whole time of the connection that Billy and Daisy had. And she loves Billy and wants him to be happy. And so she just she talks about having faith so many times. It's like, I have faith. Mm -hmm. I have faith and I trust him. And I was like, I get it. You guys have faith in each other that (sighs) I think it's like, well, why didn't she have faith that? That it would work things out. Oh, that they would, yeah, that it would just work out. Yeah, like if they were really meant to reconnect, then they would do that in their like own time. I don't know. I just I thought it was cheesy. I think. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think that's something I put in my Goodreads review of this book, which I wrote shortly after I finished. Was that like it was a little corny at times, and Mm -hmm. that was a moment that was a little a little corny. But you know what? I didn't mind it. You know what? It was also a little bit corny and like a bit cringe. What? Uh, we got to talk about some of these quote unquote song lyrics. Yeah. Because I think for sure Taylor Jenkins Reed, Jenkins Reed, 
knows how to write. Like she's a talented writer. She knows how to craft a story. Um, she's very well loved. But I, <laughs> I just gotta be honest. Being a story writer, a book writer, is not the same as being a lyricist. And I feel like that's super clear in this because there were so many moments where they were like, and Daisy came in and said this line and damn, it was dynamite or something stupid like that. And I would be like, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> no, what are you like? Show me where, girl. That's all I'm saying. And then, you know, you can go and read the lyrics in the back. Which I, I didn't did. do much of that, honestly. So I actually did a bit because I felt like, like, there's, like, one portion where um, Daisy, like, or Karen is saying, yeah, Daisy wanted me to read Please before anybody else and, like, before she showed it to Billy and... And Karen was like, that was so weird. I don't know why she wanted me to do it. So I went and I read it and I was like, oh, it's clearly because this is a song about Billy. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I did go back when they were talking about writing the songs and read the lyrics because it's incredibly transparent. The lyrics are, these are not, this is not a. They're not nuanced. (laughs) No, 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 no. And so in that sense, it was kind of interesting because I felt like I had a really super transparent look at what the characters were feeling when they were writing each song. Um, and so I did read them. I feel like I had skimmed them all, but I, and I read through regret me. Cause that was like a big plot point was when Daisy wrote regret me. Mm-hmm. And my main thoughts were that these read like no thoughts had empty pop songs. They don't read <laughs> to me like nuanced, like, they're not, like I don't know, like Fleetwood Mac style. Yeah, I was gonna songs. say this is not a this is not a Fleetwood Mac. This is not Dreams. No matter no. Uh, how bad we maybe wanted it to be. Um. No, like the song "Turn It Off." Every time they mention that song, all I could think of is "Take It Off" by Kesha. And honestly, the lyrics are like it's like the same vibes to me. And yeah. I know that Taylor Jenkins Reid was not going for a "Take It Off" by Kesha vibe, but that's all. That's what I got. So I agree. Like, it's very clear that um, writing a a novel and writing lyrics are two very different things. And some writers, I think we had talked about this before, like some writers have a really lyrical style of writing prose. Mm -hmm. Um, Taylor Jenkins Reid is not one of them. So, you know, I respect it. I respect that she went for it. Um, and, and I don't hate it, but yeah, I, I agree that when you read the lyrics, it's like pretty obvious what's going on here. They're not complex. No. And, and like I said, I did appreciate having the lyrics available because, you know, she could have just not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did appreciate having them. I felt like it gave me a little bit more clarity. And so, yeah, for sure. Respect her for it. Um, I see what she was trying to do. I think if your writing style lends really well to reading like a transcript of an autobiography, it probably doesn't lean super well into a poetic lyrical space, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, but yeah, I think there were just a few times where they were like talking about how good of a writer 
Daisy or Billy was, and it just pulled me out a little bit every time because I was like, hmm, that didn't seem like a very good line to me. Yeah. Regret me regretfully. Like, really? Where? Yep. Reaching. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about the show and like the actual Aurora mm-hmm. album that was written for the show. But it's just funny because I've seen so many fans be like, I can't believe that they didn't use Taylor Jenkins Reed or Reed's original lyrics when they wrote the real Aurora album. And I'm like, you guys, like, <laughs> be, please BFFR for for two seconds. Like, there's <laughs> no way that, that, that that's the problem with the, the yeah. real Aurora album. So some people really love these lyrics, I think. But yeah, as as uh, I almost just said, like the most stupid, pretentious shit, like as someone that listens to a lot of music that's really <laughs> deep and interesting. <laughs> well, it's OK, because I was um, I was contemplating also saying something stupid and pretentious and being like, well, as somebody who's read a lot of poetry. Um, <laughs> so we're just both assholes it's fine yeah sorry to anyone who's listening you're gonna be like you guys listen to fucking folklore by taylor swift and think you're (laughs) an expert on music and the answer is yes i do think that fight me bitch (laughs) yeah i i enjoyed the music element though because Mm -hmm. even if the lyrics were kind of corny i got what she was going for like yes yeah daisy writes a lyric that everyone is shook about Okay, maybe I don't need to see the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I can suspend my my disbelief for this this period. Yeah, there's definitely some suspension of disbelief when reading this for sure. But I enjoyed it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, do you want to talk about? I have two more things on my mind. I want to talk about the themes of this book mm-hmm. because I feel like it was thematically a lot heavier than like a fantasy novel. Agreed. And I also want to talk about your thoughts on the ending and, like, how the band broke up. Which do you want to talk about first? You know what? Let's talk about the ending because then we can go into <laughs> themes and I can share my favorite quotes. Okay. Perfect. Uh, you want me to just dive into the ending? Because I have yeah. some thoughts. Yeah. Give me your thoughts. So I think I said this sort of earlier when I was talking about my overall impressions of the book. I was really underwhelmed by this ending. I think that there was certainly a poetic justice element. I appreciated that it ended like the the band fell apart at the moment that Daisy and Billy with finality determined that they can't that they'll never be together, right? That the, mm-hmm. it's the nail in the coffin of that relationship. And I, I did appreciate kind of the symmetry of that. Um, it, it was very cyclical sort of feeling. And so I, I liked it from, I guess, an artistic perspective. I don't know if that's really the phrasing I want to use. But I could, once again, I could appreciate what was being done. Mm-hmm. However, we... I mean, you saw it a mile away. At least I felt like I did. I Obviously, we knew that this was the story of a band coming together, like their rise and their fall. So you know they're breaking mm-hmm. up at the end, right? You know that 
Billy and Daisy are these two explosive personalities. And based off of the song lyrics, you know that they're fucking in love with one another. And Mm -hmm. they are in a lot of ways. I mean, they're so representative of each other's like addictions that I was like, of course, it's going to end with them break like Mm -hmm. their relationship becoming irreparable i just thought i was like maybe someone dies like maybe there's like some kind of violence or maybe they actually get together and both of them are like fuck and that's what breaks it up and yeah i was also so certain (laughs) i was so certain pete was gonna die because we didn't have his pov and so i was like pete's gonna die and like that's what's i don't know i just thought that there was going to be an explosion whether it be someone dies they get together they have an explosive fight something goes terribly wrong at the concert and there's like a public you know something Mm -hmm, i don't know yeah yeah or like daisy ods and billy's like get your act together, kicks, you know, kicks her to rehab and she's out of the band mm-hmm. and that's like the end of the end, blah, blah, blah. I thought that it was going to be something very intense. And while I can see how it was emotionally intense, I think the fact that it ultimately all ended with Billy and Daisy never interacting and like, they those two never gave me any closure and they never really got closure from one another because it's just it's just done right Mm -hmm. they leave that stage and it's done and that to me you know it's like out with a whimper not a bang and Mm -hmm. that was underwhelming to me I was not super satisfied and then honestly I wish that we hadn't gotten any like sort of epilogue content because we kind of got this little perspective of where all the characters were now Mm -hmm. and i would have preferred we just didn't and it just ended oh interesting um i think that would have made a much more like artistically compelling ending but then like dragging it out and telling me that they all end up happily ever after i was like i Okay, I know Daisy recovers. She's no longer an addict. She lives a happy little life. I know Billy does not ever relapse. He lives a happy little life. Like, Karen and Graham don't get together, but Graham gets everything. He, you know, he gets his, like, wife and picket fence, nuclear family, and Karen pursues her music, and it's great. Like, I having every single character get their perfect little happy ending – I think, like, undermined and devalued a huge portion of this book for me. Oh, I was like, yeah, what okay. was the point? That's interesting. What did you you're right. Ending? There's, like, a a whole... I'm just thinking about how there's a whole... Like, Billy's addiction is, like, a whole thing in this story. Right. And then it ends and he has just never relapsed and, like, he's fine. Same with Daisy, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, um, we never even see, like, I, I just, she's, like, fully strung out. Like, she's mm-hmm. fully messed up. And, 
both like in a physical sense, but also in a mental sense. And the last we see of her is her being so messed up. And then the next is that she's fine, that everything is fine. And it was like it immediately. I don't know. That was unsatisfactory. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like it would be more realistic if it had been like a long road for her out of that. But I'm telling um, you, someone should have died. <laughs> well, the only death we got was Teddy and also that Chuck guy in the very beginning of the story, which actually that part made me really sad. When oh, that, yeah, that was kind of sad. I thought like, when, when that war. part happened, I was like, maybe this will be pretty gritty. And then it wasn't. Yeah. For for all of the drug abuse that was happening, um, I thought it was interesting that there was almost no, like, violent or, like, really gritty content. You know, there was never an incident of somebody getting, like, bad drugs. And mm-hmm. you have the one incident where Daisy, uh, Nikki, like, puts her in the tub to, like, pour mm-hmm. water on her but it's very it feels to me very sanitized like she doesn't have a realization of oh shit I almost died necessarily like she's like oh shit I could have died and he wouldn't have done anything for me mm-hmm. but nothing about like that they are literally gambling with their lives every time like the, this the weight of the drug abuse was not as severe as i expected based off of how much drugs they were doing you know yeah yeah that's interesting i guess i didn't think about it that hard to be honest but going back really quickly to the ending sorry um no you're good i i also agreed that it was not like i was expecting it to be really explosive because i was expecting some kind of like billy and daisy finally get together and then they realize like they have to stop or something like that that like where it would get really messy and involve Billy and Daisy interacting and it really doesn't like they sing to one another on stage and it's really emotional and then they just never speak again so there's like no closure but at the same time I did like how like, I liked that the, the falling out made sense like it made mm-hmm. sense to me why they couldn't be a band anymore yeah. And I was worried I was going to get to the end and be like, Ugh, why did they break up? Like, that was stupid. And I didn't think it was stupid. I thought it made sense. And yeah. also made sense to me in the context of this as like a documentary where people always wondered and there was all this intrigue, like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I bet it was so explosive when they ended because they canceled their tour halfway through. And then it turns out it like really wasn't. It was just that the band had to end. And also the Karen and Graham abortion situation i thought added some some like interesting elements to the conflict because they were totally separate from Mm -hmm. everyone else and yet that still contributed to the band's conflict as a whole so like i had mixed feelings on the ending obviously honestly because like that made sense to me why it ended the way it did but it was also like Okay, that that kind of fizzled, and I thought it was going to be explosive. But it had the potential to be really cheesy if it was explosive. That's true. And I will say, to your point about the Karen and Graham situation, as well as we know that Pete also wants to leave the mm. band because yeah. he's just not about that life. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is just like a hilarious like subplot <laughs> that Pete's just, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think that's really funny. But – 
I I appreciated those additional storylines because it gave the ending this sort of sense of inevitability. Like, it mm-hmm. didn't matter if Billy and Daisy, like, got over each other or got together or anything like that. The band was always going to come to an end regardless of what Billy and Daisy did because there's all of these other things happening kind of in the background. So I did I did appreciate that and the different storylines and it all kind of coming to head at one sort of moment felt a little I was like that's a little unrealistic but at the same time I appreciated what it did for the story so I wasn't like I wasn't upset about it necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think I think the uh, one thing that I didn't love, and I don't know if maybe you see like some meaning in this that I am just not picking up on, but in Billy's final section, like he's at the bar and he drinks. So he like breaks his sobriety. Mm-hmm. And I think I was frustrated by that because he breaks his sobriety and we never and that's like where we leave him so he breaks his sobriety and then we find out in the next page it it he was fine he like it's all good you know Mm -hmm. and I thought that that was really strange where I was like like what was the point of having him break his sobriety I think it would have been more impactful if you had that whole scene all the way through, but he he didn't drink. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I was just confused as to why was the drink supposed to represent something? And like, was the drink supposed to be like sort of representative of his and Daisy, like the allure of Daisy? And he like, he has a taste and then he decides to put it down and walk away way like is that oh that's interesting i mean maybe i'm thinking too hard about it could be but i just thought that that was a really strange because it was so detailed and it was so drawn out that then when he did drink i was like what i like had to reread it i was like wait did he i'm so confused did he take a drink i guess the way that i saw that scene was just that it was showing how how close to the edge he was and like he had been mm. pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it for so long both the addiction and the daisy the daisy thing that that scene to me was just to signify like why the band had to break up because he was that close to losing it and like close enough that he took a taste so yeah i guess indirectly without realizing it, that to me was a connection to his relationship with Daisy and how he like, quote unquote, like had a taste and then <laughs> had to walk away. Like that sounds so stupid, but I feel like it was just showing how he was pushing his limits yeah, in the band. That's a, that's a good way to describe it. It says pushing limits. That, I think that's helpful for me to think of it that way. Okay, that's good. Because, yeah, I didn't really have that many thoughts about that scene besides, like, oh, damn, he's he's really on the edge here. And so, like, it makes sense to me why he had to walk away at the end. I also found that scene interesting because there was that that rando guy there mm-hmm. who was like, your life must be easy and great. Like, you're famous. And Billy's like, um, 
Yeah. He's As he's like about to break this sobriety that he's been battling for so long. So I thought there was an interesting kind of commentary on fame in this story. And I feel like we can kind of go back to the drugs conversation and talk about like the themes in this story, because I obviously addiction was a big theme Mm -hmm. and the role of drugs and alcohol in the seventies music scene and the glamorization of it was a, a big theme. And I guess with the drugs thing, I what I felt like it was trying to do in this book was that it was trying to show us the way that drugs and alcohol were glamorized like that while also showing us like the dark side of that. And, but because it was showing us both, we weren't we didn't really get to see super deep into either side. Like we didn't get to see like you were saying super deep into the the stakes that you're dealing with when you are dealing with hard drugs like that and heavy mm-hmm. addictions. Um, but we also didn't see too much of like the way that drugs were glamorized. Like we definitely saw them as a coping mechanism mechanism mm-hmm. in this story. Uh, I don't know. That's how I saw it. Yeah, I think that maybe what was a little bit because I would agree. I don't think we got super deep either way. I don't feel like drugs were glorified or given like a super romantic nostalgia tinge necessarily, but they also mm-hmm. weren't given any kind of like grit, which I find interesting because we know that these people are reflecting on their lives, what'd you say, 40 years later? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and maybe I, this, I don't know. I don't know any 70s rockers. I've never done drugs. So mm-hmm. maybe I just don't have the lived experience <laughs> to <laughs> make sense of this. But I felt like there's so much that they're reflecting on where they like point out regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never... Like they're the 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 commentary doesn't really extend to the drug usage. Yeah, that's true. They don't it's, comment on it much other than like, haha, Daisy was like she showed up at nine a.m. already drunk, wearing just a long t-shirt. Right, and I feel like if this was real, which I don't know if that's even a fair lens to put on a a fictional book, but <laughs> yeah. I I think assuming that these characters are in their like 60s or whatever talking about the rock and roll of their youth you would think that they would at least have some opinions on the drug usage instead of just like talking about i was doing drugs or she was on drugs you know it's all very action-based there's no perspective given on them and i think that that was maybe where it was like off for me because addiction was such a huge thing throughout this book and it played such a heavy role in not just the plot but like our understanding of the characters and how they interacted with one another and how they interacted with their music like it was all tied in Mm -hmm. with addiction but we never get we never get the commentary that I would have that I was expecting on like drug usage and on addiction like I think especially 
Billy's really interesting because you know that he obviously has his period at the beginning where he's an addict and it's like a hot mess and he goes to rehab and he Mm -hmm. recovers and we see him battling with his sobriety. But I don't recall, and maybe I just didn't, I'm not recalling, a point where he's like, oh, I don't want to be, or like, like he, he like doesn't talk about what it feels like to be on a substance, not in a negative or positive. So it like, does that make sense? Like I would have yeah. expected some kind of commentary of, oh, he was craving this. He was craving this sensation or he was chasing you know, he talks about how he replaces his addiction with, like, his devotion to Camilla. Mm-hmm. And even that is just so surface level that I would yeah. – like, I wanted more parallels to, like, how is this? Like, go deeper into how is this a new addiction for you? And we also don't address that again. Where he's like, I just substituted Camilla as my addiction. And then that's all we get on it. And I was like, that's yeah. problematic. And we just don't address right. it. So I I think it was interesting how much of a theme addiction as a state of being and an action was. But how little content we actually got on the feeling of addiction. Yeah, I agree. I think... That's something where maybe this book was just too short and too much of a beach read to like really go that far into because mm. like that's a dark and a heavy theme. And I feel like it's interesting because some of the reviews I saw in this book were like it was so gritty, like it showed the gritty underside of the 70s music scene. And I was kind of like, I didn't feel like it was gritty. Like, yeah, there were drugs there, but that's all it was is like they were like she was on drugs. And there was not a lot of talk about, like, what it felt like, how it actually affected them besides us seeing it as, like, a coping mechanism for Daisy and Billy. So, yeah. No, I agree. I just think you're right. It's interesting that it's, like, such a prominent theme and yet it doesn't it doesn't really say much. Like, there's Mm-mm. no statement to me that this book is making about addiction and um, that it ex- it exists. And maybe Taylor Jenkins Reid or assume Taylor Jenkins Reid didn't want to make a statement on it except that it exists, which I understand that sort of impulse as a writer. But I also think she created a variety of characters experiencing different levels of addiction. And you could have shown some variety in thought on the perspective of drug use and like made it much more nuanced and much more like lush for lack of pers- like lack of um better word, better word I guess yeah and so I I don't feel like not wanting to comment on addiction and whether it's good or bad and not wanting to comment on drug abuse on whether it's good or bad I don't think is like a justifiable reason for not giving us that content I guess yeah 
And I would agree. I mean, it is a beach read. You're probably right. They probably just didn't want to go that dark, blah, blah, blah. I just am saying you're dealing with really dark themes. And if you're going to deal with really dark content, like, like don't half-ass it. Like, don't make your beach read dark content. Like, choose something yeah. different. Um, yeah. At least in my professional opinion. <laughs> You sure like to sing your words for someone who has no musical background. Because <laughs> I'm a natural like Daisy who's had no formal training. My God, you're just like Daisy. You and her are the same. Oh my God. Don't say that to me. I don't want to be like her. I'm kidding. Could not be more different. And I feel like that's why this book didn't really resonate with you. Not to say True. that I'm similar to Daisy really at all either, but. I I just think this book, for whatever reason, because of maybe all the commentary on music and art, it did resonate with me. So I feel like, kind of like I said earlier, most likely what the author was trying to do here was like portray the fact that the 70s music scene, because that's the setting for the story, that, that, that there was a lot of drugs involved there. But it just seems like she really didn't want to actually get into what that means besides like showing us that it's both glamorized and has a dark side and we got very surface level portrayals of both of those things um i feel like where this book did go a little deeper for me maybe was like the commentary on art and the creation Mm. of art Mm -hmm. that's i think why i liked it so much because i love that shit as someone that likes to make art and is bad at it (laughs) <laughs> you're not you are so not bad at it yeah you're such a liar so fake humble oh, man i'm such a bad artist my god um, you should check out my art i'm kidding i have nothing to to promote riley's a great artist in in a thousand in literally a thousand mediums it's fine uh but but no i would agree i found the like the artistry perspective really really compelling and I really enjoyed seeing how each character interacted with their art I think that was kind of the area where the background band members shined through more for me Mm -hmm. um and like they're like you see Pete who doesn't really care is like unbothered if people are changing his shit he's like i'm just along for the ride whatever Mm -hmm. and then you have other characters like eddie and karen who feel really strongly about their art and like what they're being asked to do and like there's other dynamics at play there especially in eddie's case but like i think having them as like those side background characters showed another level to band artistry especially Mm -hmm. because you do have the two leads and they take up so much space and their art creation takes up so much space that I enjoyed getting those little moments of being like oh yeah these other band members they're also professionals and really fucking good at what they do and are artists in their own right on different instruments. And so I I did really enjoy that. I really enjoyed the like Rolling Stone um, interview content. I thought that that was... I liked that too. Like a fun way to sort of incorporate the artistry as well as like what it means to 
project a brand. Um, mm-hmm. I thought brand creation was a really interesting thing in this book, especially because we knew what was going on with all these other characters versus like what brand were they putting out. Um, I mm-hmm. found that contrast to be really interesting. But yeah, I really liked the artistry piece. I liked that. Yeah, and I feel like along with that, there was kind of also that com- a commentary on fame, and it didn't it didn't go very deep. There was just an interesting contrast between, like you said, like the branding and like the persona that each band mm-hmm. member was projecting and putting out there, and the way that the the general masses were kind of consuming the content. I actually would have liked to see more of that, of like the mm-hmm. actual impact that the music had on the general masses. Because there weren't, there wasn't a lot of like interaction with fans or anything portrayed in this, but um, clearly the music did resonate with like the general public because the band got really big. And I just thought it was interesting because the only really commentary we get on that is at the end when that guy is telling Billy like, "Oh, you must have a great life. You're famous. You have all the money." And Billy's like, "Yeah," as he's about to drink. So I enjoyed like that kind of contrast that we got to see and I loved just also how you can see that each character is creating their art for different reasons as well Mm. like it's clear that Daisy creates to be understood because she wants other people to like appreciate the art that she's creating because that makes her feel appreciated because she's Mm -hmm. never felt appreciated in any other way and then Billy is creating his art as an expression of, like, what he's feeling. Like, he wants to write all about his wife because I think he wants to project himself as this pers- as this wife guy. <laughs> and yeah. so he's writing I, music for that. It's interesting because I think Billy especially is writing more than what he's feeling he's writing what he wants to be feeling Mm -hmm. and like what he's trying to project and there's so many times where one character I think it'll be like Daisy says oh and that song was about this or or no maybe the other characters are like oh that song is clearly about Daisy and then I think when they're talking about impossible woman maybe but he billy's like oh that song was about my addiction like he multiple times people will say that's about daisy and he says that's about my addiction instead oh yeah 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 which i think is really interesting because a in billy's mind are daisy and the addiction one and the same yeah or b is billy in denial of Daisy and is just like being like, it's about addiction. Don't worry about it. Things you can't have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both of those are really interesting sort of aspects of Billy to th- think about versus Daisy. I don't feel like she's, I don't know. I could be wrong. I didn't feel like she was projecting a image as much as Billy was like I felt like she was like these are my feelings about Billy no I think she was desperate to be seen and understood for exactly who she is and what she feels yes and she wrote 
with that. Like, regret me was something she wrote when she was really frustrated about her relationship with Billy. Meanwhile, Billy is just like, I'm going to write this song. And maybe it's about Daisy, but he either won't admit it to himself or he won't admit it publicly. Yeah. Which is interesting because, again, this is 40 years in the future. So it's like Mm -hmm. 40 years in the future, he either can't admit it to himself or he's still not willing to admit it publicly. Which is, I think, more – I think that makes it more compelling to me when I think about the timeline. And the fact that he's telling it to his daughter. I was just going to say that, like – the Julia element adds a little bit there because, like, he wouldn't want to tell his daughter that. But he tells he his was... daughter that he was in love with Daisy. Like, that's in here. Yeah, I guess that's true. But he he doesn't want to talk about it very much. He admits it like once, right? I, I don't, don't remember know. He exactly makes, what he says. He makes allusions to it, I think, a few times, but he only specifically. He's like, "Was I in love with Daisy? Maybe. Was I just?" in love with something else maybe like he like kind of waffles on it i don't think he's ever like i was in love with daisy but daisy is like i was in love with billy yeah she's much more upfront. it's true she does not hesitate to admit it so i thought that was interesting and then there's like karen and graham who who feel passionate about the creation of art as well and maybe their motivations aren't quite as defined but it's clear that both of them just love to make music and Mm -hmm. And they're similar in that way. And so their relationship like kind of makes sense to me. So I loved all of that. And there was a quote actually that I read that I was like, wow, this is it for me. Um, It's okay. It's on page 202. And it's when I think they're in like the pool house, like Teddy's pool house or something. Mm -hmm. And they've just written... I don't know which song it was. Is it This Could Get Ugly? This Could Get Ugly. Yeah. And I really liked this quote that Billy says. She had written something that felt like I could have written it, except I knew I couldn't have. I wouldn't have come up with something like that, which is what we all want from art, isn't it? When someone pins down something that feels like it lives inside us, takes a piece of your heart out and shows it to you. It's like they're introducing you to a part of yourself. And that's what Daisy did with that song, at least for me. I really liked that quote because I I, I just really resonated with that. Like I've had that experience a lot where when experiencing art where it's like, wow, I could have made this, except I couldn't have. But like I resonate with it so much. And I feel Mm -hmm. like whoever created this sees me in a way that, I didn't realize I could be seen like the introducing you to a part of yourself when someone puts something into words that you've been trying to put into words for so long or someone creates something that you've been trying to define for so long. I just I think that's a really special experience and that's why I love music so much and I love just art in general so much uh, because that experience is really special and I feel like Taylor Jenkins Reid captured that really poignantly with that. Mm -hmm. passage and it also gives insight into daisy and billy because i mean billy says that's what daisy did with that song but i think what he meant was like daisy did that he she made him see parts of himself that he had never seen before Mm -hmm. yeah which even 
I think ties into what you were just saying about what type of artist Daisy is, is that she is so raw in her art because she needs to be appreciated as she truly is a hundred percent and we know that that billy is not he doesn't create his art from the same place and is not a hundred percent transparent about himself but he is a full like he's a reflection of daisy they're two sides of the same coin and so when daisy reveals her true self through her art it by extension reveals Billy because they are mirrors. Yeah. Yeah, they are mirrors. I like that. Thank you. Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> well, did you have any other like themes you wanted to discuss before we kind of wrap up? I have some funny quotes that I can maybe share. Um nothing like crazy, I think. This book is all about unrequented love or maybe not even unrequented. That's not even the right word. It's what's the word? Unobtainable love, like love Mm. that's reciprocated, but not accessible for whatever reason, like can't be acted upon. Because I think even with. Graham and Karen we get that where they're clearly in love with each other but it's like right person wrong time wrong place like they just want different things out of life and so they don't end up together and I think Daisy and Billy are also you know or they clearly have a lot of feelings for each other and are very much so linked throughout the book and they don't end up with each other, but there's still like this, they don't end up together because of all of these outside forces kind of thing. Not so much that they don't want to be together, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I thought that that was kind of an interesting sort of repetition in the two brothers that they both want these women that they know they it just doesn't work even though the women want them back there's just like all of these barriers to that I think that that's interesting that they're both brothers and um yeah I agree that is interesting I also really liked Karen's commentary at the end about like like this could have worked if if I had lived in a different time because like Mm -hmm. women in the, in the period that I grew up in, they were like Camilla, they lived at home and took care of the kids while their husband was gone most of the time. And like, I couldn't have done that, but I maybe could have done what women do now having more equal partnerships. So it was very much like a a commentary on the, uh, the right person, wrong time situation, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. And it, and it's also interesting because I think Billy and Camilla were in some ways also right person, wrong time. Like there was mm-hmm. like this this element of obviously they kept choosing each other and that was really important. But I mean Billy has a, a section where he talks about he's like, was Camilla the, the woman I loved most at that time? Oh, I yeah. don't know. I like that passage. 
yeah, I really like that passage too. Once again, a bold thing to say to your daughter. I'm just saying yeah, that that's like true. another one of those things where you're like, that's a little, hmm. But I, I think that theirs is really interesting because in their case, it was also right person, wrong time, but all the outside circumstances were encouraging it or like fostering it, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so they stuck it out and they held on to one another. Hoorah. Yeah. <laughs> they did. They really did stick it out. That's exactly what they did. Yeah. I think that that whole theme, I guess, of of like right person, wrong time, I don't know what else to call it, is mm-hmm. is really interesting to me. Because in every situation, the circumstances are different. But it's all the same, like, a relationship that has barriers. And so it can't reach its full potential. Mm-hmm. One, my one last comment, because this hasn't come up yet. Um, but I loved Simone. And I wanted more Simone oh, content. I agree. I wanted more Simone as well. She was great. What a level she head. A queen. What a friend. I wish that we had gotten a little bit more of their friendship, especially their friendship origins, because that happened kind of fast. Um, yeah but i loved her yeah that's so true we never really find out like i guess why simone and daisy care for each other so much because simone Mm -hmm. like really bends over backwards to help daisy yeah and i don't and daisy like seems like kind of a bad friend so (laughs) yeah there's a lot of there's a lack of clarity there i also think um simone is our only character of color in this um book and i i think it's really interesting that she's in the disco world and like she's also in la in the 70s but we like we don't get any kind of perspective or like even the slightest comment of what it's potentially like to be a woman of color in that area in the 70s which i think is like a little bit interesting there's Um, not much uh race commentary in this book no and i mean not that it's necessarily like a book for that i just uh, right i just wish that we had more simone That's yeah all. no i agree there's potential for a lot more depth there give me a but simone spinoff wasn't i'd so read that true. i'm interested to see how simone plays in in the show in the tv show mm-hmm. but we'll talk about that next time final quotes all right Final quotes. I just wanted to like give uh, some appreciation to some of the one-liners in here because I just felt like like Taylor Jenkins Reid is a great writer and I really enjoyed some of these quotes. This one I thought was funny and also true. Billy is saying, uh, I think he's talking about when he's freaking out about being a father, like he's just found out that Camilla's pregnant. And then he goes, that was the beginning of a bad time where I was not myself. Actually, no. I don't like putting it that way. You're never not yourself. You're always you. It's just sometimes who you are, who you are is a shitty person. That's a great line. I thought that was a great line. Because that's very true. And I think it's very easy in life to be like, oh, you know, I was just not myself. But Billy's right. You're always yourself. There's another similar, like, quote this kind of along with similar lines. It's Daisy. This is mm-hmm. on page 293. Um, 
And I think Billy is trying to convince her to go to rehab in this part. And she's saying, the thought I kept hearing in my head was, go for a little while, just for a break. You don't have to stop forever. That was my plan, to go to rehab without planning to quit forever. It made perfect sense to me. I'll tell you, if a friend lied to me the way I lied to myself, I'd say, you're a shitty friend. (laughs) I thought that was also a good line. It is a good line. I think that's one of the um, internal commentaries we get from Daisy where she's like really talking about her state of mind that feels so genuine and I feel like it's one of those few moments where I really got a glimpse of what that character was supposed to be. Yeah. I agree. I didn't, I didn't always get that from her and like the things that she said or even the things that she supposedly thought. Mm-hmm. But that was one that that line I certainly I felt like I knew her in that line. Yeah, it was a real moment of self-awareness for her. I think that's why mm-hmm. I liked it so much. Mm-hmm. And also because I was like, oh, my God, so true. Like, how often am I a shitty friend to myself? Literally all the time. All the time. All the time. Um, this last quote is like not profound. I just thought it was funny. It's Warren. He was always just going in saying funny shit. And like his, his only like personality trait really is that he's like funny and he doesn't think very hard about anything. (laughs) And he, this is towards the end and he's with that Lisa lady um, who was on like SNL or something. And so he's like, Lisa and I had been talking a bit since the show on SNL. She came out to see me. She said, you live on a boat? I said, yeah. She said, you're an adult. Get a real house. She had a point. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that was funny. And he's the one in the epilogue who, or it's, I don't even know if it's labeled as an epilogue, but they're like old, right? Yeah. Like, where are they now? He's he's the one where he's like, yeah, I uh, haven't signed any boobs in a long time. Maybe (laughs) I'll sign Lisa's just to see what it's like or something like that. And I was like, so funny. He was funny. Like, there definitely still was a problem of, you know, all the male characters not really having distinct voices. But I feel like by the end, Warren definitely did have this distinct, like, comic relief type of yeah and i will say um like love him hate him by the end eddie also had a very distinct voice yeah that's true we didn't really touch on eddie but he was a little frustrating to to. read at the end everybody knows yeah everybody who read this book knows everything there is to be said about eddie yeah it's not that deep not that deep is what it is well, what is your final rating after this conversation? Have you made any changes? Um, no, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to stick with a 5.5. You? I. It's funny because we spent a lot of this conversation being critical, but I almost want to raise my rating to an 8. Wow. Just, I just feel like this was such... Like, I'm being genre-specific here. I just feel like this was such a, an, a good beach read. It was lacking in a lot of areas, but for me, as a beach read, it really worked for me, and I really loved it. And I 
I think it has rereadability for me. I probably wouldn't reread the whole thing, but I would like to. I'm already like kind of wanting to reread the parts where they're riding Aurora because that just sounds fun to me. Do I actually want to up my rating though? What do I, I think? I'm just saying. I don't know how many beach reads you've read, but not very many. Yeah, I think it shows. Not very <laughs> I'm many. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no you're right and i haven't read anything else by taylor jenkins reed either we're gonna do um we're gonna i'm starting evelyn hugo actually today i started it oh, so perf. it'll be interesting to discuss and compare so you know what i think for now i'll leave it at a 7.5 i do feel like this book was written for me but i can acknowledge that it wasn't perfect regardless i'm very excited to watch the show so yes i'm excited too yeah, so come back next week. We will be talking about the show. Uh, that will be really fun because I think we'll be able to talk about the real Aurora album that was written for the mm-hmm. show as well as, you know, the show, the casting, the vibes, everything. So I'm really excited for that. But for now, um, follow us on Instagram. We're at The Great Obsession Pod. Let us know your thoughts, how you felt about this book. We'd love to discuss. You can also hit us up at thegreatobsessionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And we've never said this in previous episodes, but I feel like we should uh, follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Spotify, (laughs) Apple Music. You know, that's the thing podcasters say. So true. (laughs) So true. Yeah. And um, that's it. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.